today I'm going to do my best to really wrap up this three-part series. Um, so I'm going to leave a lot of things out. Um, but the, the, the point or the focus, it's giving me that slide error change. Um, the focus of what I'm wanting to do is set kind of a foundation for what we're going to start teaching on the next couple of weeks, um, anywhere from eight you know, to ten weeks um, on the prophetic. So in December, I felt God challenged me. Um, there we go. You got it. No, thank you, sir. So I just felt God challenged me in the area of the prophetic and that he wanted me to do some things. And so um, I felt him tell me that I needed to start not just personally writing, but start putting some stuff together with several people. And um, I said to him, but God, there's so much out there. A lot of it's good. Some of it's okay. You know, I just said, what, what would I contribute to the conversation? And what I felt him say is that what I had to contribute to the conversation was around the prophetic and leadership. And um, so that's, that's been an interesting kind of journey over the last couple of months looking at that. But the starting next week, we're going to start on just the prophetic, but the focus is the prophetic in our own lives, about us, me, when God speaks to me about me. And it's kind of a, you know, uh, what's an arbitrary line in a sense, because it seldom works that way. Um, and then, you know, there, there are several sessions, as I call, kind of like, you know, as we'll see. But the initial kind of series of teachings is around how, how God speaks to us, not so much the how, but how we interpret and what's going on in some of the things that he wants laid in our lives. Because the next level is then about prophecy. We're, you know, the first level is we're all meant to hear from God. God communicates. He is a communicator. As I've said, some of you may have heard me, Mary, in no way does it say she was a prophetess. No way does it say she was an apostle, any of those things. She saw Gabriel. She got impregnated with Jesus. She had some pretty significant events in her life. And that is for all of us, not just for a certain elect group of people. Now, I'm not saying... You know, we're all going to have Mary's experience or we're going to have Elijah's experience. What I'm saying is God wants to speak to us where we're at. That second level, and we lay some foundations in there, meaning we start talking about self-government. 
Because if you don't have self-governments and you don't understand that, when you get to the next level, which is, it says, we must all love and desire eagerly to prophesy. So we're all meant to prophesy. We're all meant to witness. We're all meant to go. In other words, you know, God wants us to do the stuff. We must, we must have the foundation of self-government to go into relational government. And that way, when we minister prophetically or other people minister prophetically to us, we're not enamored. We're not in awe. Now, we can be enamored and in awe at God, but we understand giftings coming people, and we as people can be messy. <laughs> And we don't throw the bath water out or the baby out with the bath water, so to speak. In other words, we learn how to accept a person for their gifting, but we don't put giftings on pedestals. That will set a foundation. So first of all, how do we have good boundaries and good self-government so that when we step into relational government and church government and some things that we have a good understanding amongst ourselves and some of it is going to be a lot of repetition um, for some of you but what I'm trying to do is create a common language for us a common understanding and it's not a theological dissertation it's more the beginning of a conversation each one is meant to build so when we start talking about self-government, the next section when we get to prophecy, which will be you know, way down the road or whenever, will be about relational government. Then when you get into maybe God has called you to be prophetic, um, because there's the, the, you know, everybody can prophesy and there's a spirit of prophecy. Then there are some that God calls to some like to say the office of the prophet or to be a prophet in a New Testament context. Um, that way, none of us get enamored by that and we have a better understanding of the, the purpose and the function of what that is for. Because God has promised that he is releasing a lot of these giftings and that it's messy. <laughs> And so that means more of us need to understand some of this to help people. Um, our theology doesn't determine our experience. It helps interpret our experience. We don't, you know, we don't take our experience and try to create theology around it either. It's not either or, it's both and. And so... Tying all that into Abraham, as you will see, Abraham becomes Abraham and is God's friend. And the spoiler alert is the father of our faith was a prophet. And so what we've been discussing at a very high level is some of the journey of the father of our faith and some of the journey of the prophetic. And it's been wonderful, right? His life was easy. God spoke and it just miraculously happened. He didn't have to fight any battles. He had no questions. Yeah. And the point of that isn't, isn't 
for any other reason to say, God knows that we're people. He knows it can be messy, but he loves us and he's committed to us. So let's jump into this. James 2.23. Last week we heard that Abraham had faith and it was counted to him as righteousness. James 2.23 goes on to say, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And at some point, I'd love to do a teaching on what it means to be a friend of God, but also the friend of a king. One of the official positions in Solomon's court was a friend. He had a friend assigned to him. Do you know that it is one of the most dangerous jobs you could ever have? Being blunt. Can you imagine? You've, Trump is your friend. Is it safe to be Trump or Obama or whoever your favorite president was? Their friend. Why? People come to you to get to them. People try to get you to trip up to say things so they can find things out. Okay, there's a whole lot there. But I'm being sneaky and I'm not going to give my secrets away. So let's move on. So, a covenant and a 400-year-plus revelation. So last time we ended with Genesis 5, 12, and it was, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham, Abraham, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. That was God. And that deep sleep, I said, was the, is the exact same language that was used when God put Adam to sleep, and cut him in half and made Eve. And I said that marriage is actually a divine revelation from God. That's where marriage comes from, was a trance, deep, dark sleep. <laughs> but I want to go on. Verse 13, and then the Lord said to Abraham in this deep, dark sleep, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. How many of you want that prophecy? Is it on your refrigerator? But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in, four, in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete." I mean, noodle on that one. What would you do if God came to you and started talking to you about what was going to happen in 400 years? This is what God speaks to him in that deep sleep. Let's move on. So, God... Oh, it's yelling at me again. Let's see here. 
So I'm trying to change the slide control. And survey says. There we go. God tells prophets and friends things to come. Amos 3.7, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. My joke for a while has been my name for God. You know, all of the Old Testament people had a name for God. My name for God is Jehovah Sneaky or gossip. <laughs> Why are you telling me this? What? But point two, we can be friend, God's friends. John 15, 14 through 15. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Well, that was while Jesus was alive. He's dead, so that's over. Okay. John 16, 12 through 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth comes, <clears throat> sorry, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's the word of God. For he will not speak on his own authority. Yep, still the written word of God. But whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you of things to come. This is not just for prophets. This is for all of us. God's invitation to us is, you are my friend. So my question is, how much of a friend of God are you? I remember one of the challenges the first time when I knew I was hearing God. I was so shaken up and didn't know what to do. And, you know, I didn't want to talk about it because I was afraid I was wrong. But as you grow with God and he begins to tell you things... Sometimes you don't want to say anything because you're afraid you're right. <laughs> the issue comes down to not whether you're right or wrong, as you've heard me say, but about love. It's really about love. Paul says all of this is about love and building. But what I want us to get tonight is that we are God's friends and God speaks to his friends. We are not servants. Where in us do we act like servants? I'm going to just pray. Dad, I ask that over the rest of this week, you gently show us where we behave like servants and not like your friends, not like your sons and your daughters. Help us to grow more in this, Dad. So, 
What does that have to do with anything? Well, let's move along. Okay, so that's kind of the preamble, and now we're going to get back to Abraham, because now we've spoken about kind of what's been going on. God speaks to Abraham. He has this vision, trance experience, gets a word that is over 400 plus years. Now we're back to Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. Like I said, we're running through a lot of stuff, but I'm trying to bring out some points around this journey. So Genesis 16, 1 through 3. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go to my servant, go into my servant, or go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abraham had lived 10 years in Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave it to Abraham, his rock. Okay. Some important things we'll get to there. The next scripture, Genesis 16:15 through 16. Before that, as I've pointed out there, Hagar runs away because Sarai is brutal to her. Okay? She's not nice because basically Hagar goes, nah, 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 nah. I got a baby, you don't. Okay? And God names Ishmael. Ishmael's name comes from God. And it says, and Hagar bore Abraham his son, and Abraham called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Now, and Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar was born, when Hagar born Ishmael to Abraham. One I want you to see in that top part is by this point, Sarai has become convicted of the promises God keeps giving Abraham. Something in her is beginning to change. She's beginning to believe this, not just Abraham or Abraham at this point. She's going, I'm not pregnant. We need a kid. He has my servant. We'll get a child. And you can argue she was trying to do it in the flesh. But do you see the conviction? If she didn't believe in this one God, remember, they grew up in a polytheistic society. If she wasn't being changed by this, how many ladies would do that? Yeah, not many. So what I'm trying to say is instead of judging what was wrong, do you see that his wife now is beginning to be changed by what God keeps saying? Something is changing in her. Okay. Let's go on. We're going to do a quick summary. Abraham or Abraham's 11-year journey from 75 to 86. Because we just found out that he was 86 when Ishmael was born. So we start in Genesis 12, 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So from there he goes to Haran, but there's a drought, so he goes to Egypt. Pharaoh kicks him out. 
after blessing him. Why? Because he says, Sarai is my sister, and Pharaoh finds out it's not just his sister. And the whole country is being cursed, and so he blesses Abraham and kicks him out and says, get out of here, okay? Abraham then returns to the place where he first built an altar to seek God. Him and Lot separate. Abraham fights four kings, sets his nephew Lot free. God then makes a covenant with him after having promised him three times his descendants would be too numerous to count. Three times in 11 years, he hears the same thing. 11 years! You're going to have lots of kids. You're going to have lots of kids. You're going to have lots of Really? You're going to have lots of kids! <laughs> Why am I the only one who struggles with that kind of stuff? I mean, God speaks, you go, la, and 11 years pass, and oh, there it is, and it all works. No. Okay. What am I saying here? There is a journey. There is a process. God was doing something in Abraham and Sarai. Could he just give it to them like that? Of course he could have. We've seen him do that in other passages. So there was something here that God was changing. God hears Hagar, names Ishmael, tells her to go back. This all takes 11 years. It's not like you just go down to the 7-Eleven, get a prophetic word, and come back and it's fulfilled. I mean, don't we wish, right? What was that joke? I saw the cartoon, and it was a young girl saying, yeah, I don't know that I want a baby. It takes nine months to download. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it feel that way? <laughs> All right. Now we go from 86 to 99. 13 years later. We just saw what it took him to get through the first 11 years. Abraham has his fifth encounter with God. God is silent to some, not completely, but silent-ish. For 13 years. Can you imagine? And we'll, we'll see. I love Sarah. Well, Sar Sarah becomes Sarah. I love her, but let's just move on. Okay, Genesis 17, 1 through 2. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me blamelessly that I may. Really? I'm 99 years. You walk before me blamelessly. Go make this promise to somebody else. Doesn't it feel that way at times? But that's not what happens with Abraham. And I list the three times. He's heard this three times in 24 years. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Literally, the council of heaven comes down and makes a covenant with him. The throne of God comes to earth with Abraham, and nothing happens. I mean, you get, 
Where's the baby? And you wake up in the morning going, where's the baby? There's no baby. It gets real. Let me just make sure my enthusiasm, I'm not forgetting. Um, I've got a point here. We get a clue in Genesis 22.1. Now it came to pass after all these things that God tested Abraham. We, that word is only used when he's testing him with Ishmael. But really? You don't think he's gone through a little testing? Okay, moving right along. Abraham become Abraham becomes Abraham. So Genesis 17, 3, 3. Remember, this is the father of our faith. What God is saying is, he is an example that we can learn from. Not that our lives will mirror him, but there's patterns here, as I brought out. God sends him down to Egypt because of a famine, and he comes back. Well, guess what happens to his descendants for 400 years? There's a famine. They go down to Egypt. Why do you think they had faith to believe? Could you imagine being that first generation? Year one in Egypt. Okay, 399 years to go. I mean, how many bottles on the wall can you? <laughs> that would be a tough one to stand up for. Okay, guys, just 399 years to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's Okay. Let's see here. Uh, I got a little excited and lost my place. Abraham becomes Abraham. Then Abraham fell on his face. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Holy God. I think he fell on his face because of what we'll read later on. But no longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between you and your offspring after you through their generations for an everlasting covenant to be... God to you and to your offspring after you, and I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Wow. Then we have a, what shall we call a um, commercial break. <laughs> God says, but you have to do this. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, and you throughout your, their generations. This is my covenant, which is every male amongst you will be circumcised. I'm 99. Really? You go get circumcised. <laughs> that, come on, guys. 99. I'm not... Just a little over halfway there. Uh, you ain't bringing anything sharp anywhere near that. <laughs> what? I remember, this is what God tells him to do. 
Now what happens? Sarai becomes Sarah, and Abraham laughs at God's promise. And God said to Abraham, as for, your, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. Now God is getting very specific. I will bless her, and she will become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, yeah. Come on, do you get this? He's in the presence of God. I think he fell on his face so he wouldn't laugh at God's face. Uh, uh, really? And he said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? <laughs> Especially after you want me to go snip. <laughs> <laughs> and Abraham said to God, now this is what he says in his outside voice, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you and we don't have to do the snip-snip. <laughs> I'm reading into it. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Da, da, da. And it goes, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. Uh-oh. 24 years later. God says, I want you to circumcise yourself. And you're going to have a kid when you're 100. Yeah, I would fall on the ground laughing too. I mean, let's get honest, guys. As we will see. Okay. Abraham circumcises himself at 99 Andy's household. Okay, so we read Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old. you got to wonder, this God of your dad, I'm not too sure about him. <laughs> really? You want to do what? Where? Um, that very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael worshipped that very day. Remember, he just fallen on his face laughing. But he obeyed. That day. And all the men of his house, those born in the house, those bought with money, and the, you know, with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. <laughs> Remember, he had a big house. I mean, hundreds of men. Did they hire somebody to come in? I mean, like, how do you do 300 snip-snips in a day? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Okay, now comes it even gets funnier. Um, now we have Abraham's sixth encounter. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, which we've read 
This, these places are becoming familiar. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran, he ran from the tent door to meet them, bowed himself to the earth and said, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. The passage there goes on. Him and Sarah prepare food. And Sarah is listening from the tent. Okay? Sarah laughs at God. Now, it's interesting. Most sermons I've ever heard is always about Sarah laughing at God. But she didn't start it. <laughs> Can you? I mean, her and Abraham must have been going, yeah. You know, God has told me to snip, snip. He does it that day. Um, they slept in separate tents that night. <laughs> That was the cowboy walk through their camp for quite a while. <laughs> I mean, let's get real. Sarah's going, you're calling me Sarah now? Really? <laughs> I'm the mother of many nations. You, what? So now he's having this experience. Interesting. It says three men. As we'll find out, one of them literally is Yahweh incarnate, Jesus. The other two are angels. We are not told. But how did Abraham know who they were? Maybe he didn't. Their culture was to show hospitality. We're not told. But this is what we are told. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will, surely, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. So this is about three months later. So we've gone from the horseback walk to maybe we're a little healed and things are a little more normal. Because, you know, next time this year, Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent of the door. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old advanced in years. The way of the woman had ceased to be with Sarah. That's very polite. <clears throat> I've got to wonder what it really says in the Hebrew. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Are you, do you get, I mean, literally what she's saying. I don't think we're going to rise to this occasion, boys. <laughs> I mean, it's in the book. Well, I mean, what's going to take more faith? Actually seeing if it's going to work. <laughs> it gets real. But this is, this is God speaking and promising. But even though she laughs, we know the end of the story. And I'm joking to bring some of the tension and what had to be going on in their hearts. This is a woman who hasn't been able to have a baby for, it doesn't say how old she is at this time. 90, does it? Yeah, so 89. I, I mean, she's saying, the way of the woman is past. 
You could see her heart was desperate when she gave her servant. Now God is saying this. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Why does he pick on Sarah? I mean, Abraham had said the same thing a few months before. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, that's, I, sorry, the play on words just hit me. At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. <laughs> I don't think this was picking on Sarah. I think God was saying, Sarah, I love you. I'm not tormenting you. You did laugh. It is funny. What was their first child's name? Laughter. <laughs> I wonder why. Because <laughs> it was a joke, as we will see. Okay. But do you see the heart of God? This is his sixth experience. God is getting more and more and more specific. Remember I said, there is this fear in the body of Christ at times that if God speaks and we miss it, that's it, he kicks us in the closet. But we've seen over and over God confirming his word to Abraham. Even when Abraham says, yeah, that's my sister. God moves geopolitically on her behalf and protects her. Now, whether it was cultural or not, we're not justifying anything. We're saying God loved both of them. And he changes both of them to where they become the people that are the father and the mother of nations. Not just in promise, but in essence. They begin to not just have faith, but faith is in them. And it changes things. Okay, now last, I just want to bring this point out because it makes the final point. And we skip a whole bunch of stuff. So I apologize. But God moves geopolitically on Sarah's behalf a second time. So Genesis 20. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of Negeb. Again, a very familiar place. And lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. She must have been a hot centennial. I mean, she's getting up there, but come on. I mean, kings are going. I mean, ladies, whatever she was, you know, whatever her makeup on would make. You know, sell millions. <laughs> but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so the Lord so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister. And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. In a dream. 
Can you imagine God Almighty coming to you and saying, you're a dead man, you're a dead woman. Pretty amazing stuff. Then God answered him in a dream. So it's almost like God didn't answer him in the first dream. It's like he's having another dream. Leaves him hanging. Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Not against Abraham. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. So that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all that is yours. And then... The end of that chapter, then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wounds of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Powerful. The whole point of this is that the father of our faith, the one we're meant to model our lives after, was a prophet. Why do I say that? Because one, it's in the book. But two, because in the New Testament, it says we all hear God's voice. We're his friends. He wants to speak to us like that. Was Abimelech a prophet? He wasn't even saved in that sense. And yet God was speaking to him. God wants to reveal himself to us in ways. He wants to speak to us. And he is. The challenge is, do we provide a place for people to where they can grow in it? What do you do with what God says? What should you not do with what God says? How do we interpret what we hear? Do you really believe God loves you? Because that determines how you interpret everything he says. Do you believe you're his friend? So, the journey of faith isn't an easy one because it's about who we are, not what we do. God loves us. What we do is a byproduct of that. When it said it was a credit to Abraham as righteousness or I mean, as faith, it was as righteousness. And then it says, because he was God's friend. Remember I said that the purpose of faith is for deeper intimacy, not about getting what we want with our faith. Yes, that's important. And Abraham got a son. I'm not diminishing that. But the initial step isn't just to get something. It's to be with him. 
Because once he gives us what he's promised, what do we do with it? Through this whole time, Abraham wasn't sitting back and, and doing nothing because we see the difference between him and Lot. When Lot separates, four kings come and he gets taken off captive. Abraham has continued to administrate his house, train for war, because he takes 318 men and whips four kings and brings everything back. What is it that God is asking you and promising you? And where are you in that journey? We have to at times laugh, otherwise we will cry. <laughs> Because we've heard him say things and not seen the reality of it. How do we live in the tension of the now and the not yet? When you've tasted of God and then you have to live life, the juxtaposition can be jarring. We see how Abraham did it. He remained open. He didn't wall his heart off. When God came and said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Yeah, I heard that one like 23 years ago and 24 years ago and 21 years ago. Are we letting it change us and saying, God, what is it in me that you're changing? holding on to the promise because we know when God gave him the promise he had to test him is what I gave you more important than me because if it is then we went back into being slaves and not friends all right <clears throat> that was a little deep heavy but today is heavy so, with that as a foundation, Abraham and Sarah, the father and mother of our faith, and we see a glimpse of their journey, and the humor, and the agony, and the turmoil, and the, the, the reality of life. I believe it gives us hope. Remember I said, what are the patterns in your life? What is God asking you to learn from? I mean, to the disciples, you know, they, he feeds the 5,000 and then it happens again. And he goes, didn't you learn anything from the 5,000? Yeah, that you feed him. Now feed the next 10,000. That's not what the lesson was about. <laughs> so when you find yourself going through lessons, we can either get angry we can fall on the ground and laugh and go, really, God? Here we go again. Okay. <clears throat> now, God. Okay. <laughs> and continue to grow. I love what I forget who said is that faith is like a video game. You never fail. You just get repeat the level until you win. <laughs> This is where we are. God has spoken, is speaking. We're seeing some of his promises. 
And we're learning to walk it out. But he's bringing other people that he's promised things to. And he's promised to this region. And is expecting us individually, as local churches and as corporate churches, to lay hold of what he's saying and continue to trust him. And to see what he's saying manifest. So, I think we should stop. And just give the, the weight, because there's a lot of weight in this room. It has been all night. And let's just open ourselves up to his presence. Do you guys mind? And then what I would ask, and I, I don't know your name, sorry. Yes, Melanie. Would you come up and then and when I call you and just pray over us? In about five minutes. I just, I just feel you're meant to pray for us. So, Dad, we just acknowledge your presence. The weight of who you are is here.